Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, joined again by Pastor Dan. We're going to talk about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses, well, let's be honest, verses more than 22 through 26. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the aim of the message for this past week, um, which was great. Had another great time in worship with our brothers and sisters. It was wonderful to do that. So um, I told Dan, I've got some hot ones right, right out of the, the gate here. I know some things I want to talk about in this text. So where I would usually say, what do you want to give? I'm going to I'm going to get my druthers first. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to go Get in. crazy. Yeah. So I wanted to start here, um, with, and I want to go back and start in verse 21, um, and then just read verse 21 and 22. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. So the desire to want to cleanse ourselves, to be honorable, this is obviously something that's good that Paul is mm-hmm. pointing out for Timothy. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, of course, we've, we've talked about this last week. Um, I didn't mention this last week, but I thought, or maybe I did, when you talked about the Lord lays out the good works for us, almost mm-hmm. like we could trip over them, right? Yeah. Like they're laid out for us to do. And I thought, I get what you're saying, but I have proven to do a pretty good job of jumping over them. <laughs> I seem to, like, right? The Lord lays out these good works. Why don't we do them all the time? We've mm-hmm. come a little bit fancy of feet, I think, to go, oh, I'm not going to do that one. I'm not going to do that one. Mm. I won't go off on that too much. That's from last week. So going into verse 22 with that context, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And Dan, one of the things that really stuck to me from my own personal life right here said, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. That those things are one and together. And as you were saying that, I was thinking... Um, and, and I just, uh, before I say this, please hear my example of my experience. I'm not saying this is everybody's experience, but I thought about my own journey with football. Mm. Football has been a big deal in my life. When I was very young, um, I, I don't know if I've told you this story before, the, uh, I remember watching the 85 Bears. Now, people think about the 85 Bears because that was the Super Bowl Bears with the, uh, mm-hmm. what was the dance? Do you remember? The... The shuffle or something they did. No, icky, like you're thinking icky shovel. Icky shuffle. That's, shuffle, that's but the, the Bears did the uh, the. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, I see the video in my comments, head. Comments. <laughs> I see the video. The Bears video. Which, by the way, you know how you look back and you see if some things hold up. Did not hold up. No. Did not hold not up. Not at all. Well. Dumpster fire is the <laughs> yes. idea in my brain. Um, but for some reason in our market, before the Super Bowl, they showed the Bears a lot that year during um, the Atlanta market. Like, I saw them maybe four or five times. Mm. And I remember seeing number 34, Walter Payton. I'm like seven years old. And there's a game where he's decimating everybody. And I remember turning to my dad and going, Dad, is that what it means to be great? Mm. Right? And in, like, he was like, well, Yeah. So from that point forward, I just had this obsession with football, Mm. Um, Mm. and healthy in some ways, but in a lot of ways not. And I had a breaking point for me when, uh, sorry to bring up a sore spot for a lot of folks, the second half of the Falcons' sacrifice of our Super Bowl championship against the Patriots a few years back. As uh, you can almost hear people weeping. I know. Listen closely for the wail. It's still terrible, terrible. But as though that was disappointing (laughs) or whatever, a couple days later, I realized... I haven't been talking to the Lord. 
I've not been pursuing his righteousness. My, like my quiet time is messed up. Mm -hmm. My prayer life is thrown off. My spirit towards people is icky. Mm -hmm. As I go through that and I'm wondering, Lord, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I realized this is back to a game. I know it's a big business, mm -hmm. but a game, right? <laughs> Something that kids should play. It's not important in and of itself. And I realized mm -hmm. that I got into the point to where this youthful passion was no longer something that I could play with anymore in order to pursue righteousness. It actually became an obstacle. So I asked Dan before, so I'll put him on the spot. You don't have that problem with football, right? No, because I'm a Steeler fan and winners. <laughs> but I, I understand, Atlanta. I'll that work out for you this year. Hey, why well, you hurt me? Um, but Dallas fans certainly. There you go. No, I, no, I, I think it's, it, it reminds me of um, the idea that you have to put those things. You should have put those things aside, or in some things we recognize we struggle struggle with. It reminds me of the little league game where the dads. Are are losing their minds yeah. and you go wait a minute the kids are the kids on the field or in the bleachers yeah. this youthful and other parents shouldn't act that way that's right that's kind of the bacon that and you recognize as a follower of christ yeah i'm invested in the game but the problem is now the game is dictating yeah it's changing who i am yeah it's changing who i am yeah. and so you go I recognize that's not who I want to be. Yeah. As a, a mature adult, you can make that distinction. Youthful people, they just go with it. They yeah. go with the youthful passions, yeah. the youthful cravings or desires. And he says, don't be like that. That's right. Don't be like the adult in the standard Little League game yeah. who can't control themselves. Yeah. That's not what you're supposed to be about. And that's what I, that was actually the trigger for me was to realize I'm acting, I'm acting like a child about this thing. Yeah, it's not yeah. the thing again. Oh, yeah. That's why I want to point out, like you can yeah. watch that. Tons of people can do that, right? And watch it appropriately. It's still something to this day. Yeah. Like if I go to Chili's, I try not to look at the one that has the football stuff on there. I still struggle with it. And I hate to admit that. Like I wish I did it. Yeah. It's, but I do. Well, it's interesting because I, I think that um, I think everybody's invested in a team, so you're excited about it. But I guess what happens afterwards, I think in college when I was playing basketball, that was a bigger thing. Because I remember Vicky, my wife, just brought this up the other day. She said, remember playing basketball and you'd be in a game, and if you guys lost – Remember the game you didn't talk, like you walked out of the mm -hmm. locker room and didn't talk to me, yeah. and you said something to the effect, well, this is just how it is. My previous girlfriend understood that. And oh, she oh, she said, remember what I said to you? She says, I'm not your previous girlfriend. <laughs> and and I recognize that that is true. But also there's a greater reality. Yeah. What happened on the court, yeah, be bummed about it. But why is it affecting your relationship yeah. with people? So I think that's the it's, idea. It's the proper prioritization. And I think that's what you get from verse 21. I want yeah. to be of noble use, right? I want to honor the Lord. So we think about these things. And something that kind of maybe it triggered my thought because of thinking about my own thing with football, and now I'll step on other people's toes. I don't struggle with this. Um, but some things are just innately youthful and foolish um, that we get caught up in. Hmm. Our society says it's okay. It's not hurting anybody. Could be true. But what are you sacrificing to do that? And hmm. I thought about video games, hmm. right? So this, this isn't to knock you on video games, but just a perspective. It's one of the biggest industries in the world. I did a little pre-work hmm. before. So according to like good sources, Accenture, hmm. the, one of those big consulting company, hmm. they now estimate the video game industry is worth over $300 billion. By 2026, they expect it to be $500 billion. Wow. It has blown up. But that's whatever. That's money. And I guess without context, that's not important. This is the thing that I thought about that, that struck me. They did a survey of how players spend their time and what they do. 
according to the survey, oh, where'd it go? According to the survey, gamers spend an average of 16 hours a week playing, eight hours a week watching or participating in game streams, and six hours a week interacting in game forums and communities. So that's all on top of on each other. On top of 30 wow. hours a week. And you might think that's crazy, yeah. and that, but it's a bunch of kids. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting thing about their survey, over 79% of those people, over 25 years old. Yeah. It is driven by that. Now, wow. you could say it's just a knock on gaming, but what I, the reason I want to point this out mm. is I think it's indicative. If it has that much influence that it's almost going to be a $500 billion industry in just a few years, it makes you think about what does our culture say we should spend time on? 30 hours a week. That's a legit part-time job. Yeah. And for just sure. for the average gamer yeah. on that kind of stuff, that means nothing. Give me a tenth of that on your Bible, like, and you would enjoy so much mm. more of life. So I th the point I was thinking about was the idea that we are in a society that is saying, go youthful passions, go with these lesser, lesser things. Mm. And I, I just, I'm glad we call it out. I'm thankful that Paul's written this to Timothy, and this is something that is not just for Timothy. This applies to mm. all of us in this context here. We have to call it out. Otherwise, we will be satisfied with these lesser things. Mm. And I don't know about you, but... I, I like my life a lot better now than I did when I was 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to live with those same kind of passions and endeavors. And I think that's where um, men have to call out men. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to have a culture, I think, at a, in a church in which you cultivate men being called to a higher yeah. ideal, something more than themselves. Uh, and I think, actually, we all know this to be true is that when you have that goal or something greater than yourself, it inspires you. Yeah. Uh, and But if you get into the just the morass of life, like gaming, mm. it's almost like what sugar is to a diet. Mm. It gets a lot of energy, mm -hmm. but you find yourself getting tired yeah. or eating like fast food. You know, you can eat fast food every meal, but you're actually be starving your body. Yeah. You're full, but you're dying. Yeah. And so I think that's the idea of you're you're doing things, the excitement, gaming knows for sure, you know, the excitement of it, that's real. But the problem is, is you've got to get to the point you grow up and go, it may be real, it may be fulfilling, it may be exciting, but it's not productive. Yeah. It's not life enhancing. Yeah. It's not actually lending itself to why I was made. Yeah. I just become at some point a cog in a giant entertaining wheel. Yeah. You're being you are being satisfied with lesser things. It's the I heard somebody mm. make the comment about the Church of America is uh, uh please don't take any offense to this term, but they said it's skinny fat, right? It's just the mm. idea of they had this term where they talk about people that look slender, but they have their body, their health is actually as somebody that would be like the same as morbidly obese, like you're mm -hmm. really unhealthy on the inside. And mm -hmm. the irony is we can do that in the church yeah. because God is so yeah. gracious yeah. to us. He doesn't mm -hmm. just wipe us out because yeah. he said that we'll be a people for himself, but you are missing out. Like there is nutrition for you to have. There is health for you to prosper mm -hmm. and enjoy, to be a vessel of noble use. And you are squandering it by not pursuing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, even if we get to flee youthful passions, I feel over the course of my life, I would guess you'd probably have a similar testimony in the ministry that you've done. People might get to flee youthful passions. Mm -hmm. I think they struggle to pursue righteousness. Yeah. And that yeah. is, that's a proactive thing. And we don't always tend to be a proactive community or society. And I think what you notice about that is, is when you're hanging out with Christians, if you yourself or the church you're in defines Christianity, as we said Sunday, by what you don't do versus what you do. Absolutely. I think that's a fulcrum in which you, if you have a mental picture, this is what Christians don't do, and that's what you're chasing, 
then you have a very underdeveloped idea of Christianity. Christianity is not what you aren't doing as much as what you're doing. And that's the whole point. He doesn't say flee youthful passions and, and that's it. Yeah. It's the idea of you don't do that because you are doing this. Yeah. You're pursuing righteousness and faith and love and peace. And so I think that that's really a good indicator of where you mature was. Because in our day and age, we think mature people know a lot. No, actually, mature people have a certain outlook in life. Mm -hmm. So, the, for example, someone asked me, who do you think the most mature people are you know? And I said, I would actually guess there's probably somebody living in the hills of Tennessee that probably has a much more intimate relationship with God than mm. probably any of the professors I know or mm. any of the pastors. And they're like, wow, that's, that's an unusual thing to say. Don't you think that they probably don't know as much? This is the problem. It's not what you know. It's the idea of your dependency. It's the idea yes. of your reliance. And I said, I think there are people who don't know maybe as much as I do, but their walk with, with Christ is much more rigorous and much more fulfilling yeah. and much more enlightening than mine. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's something that we have to reprogram ourselves to think about that. Like you can say that now, we can think about it while we're here watching this. I think you have to have a mindset of doing that to where just because somebody mm. can yell the loudest or has the neatest reference or throws off the fancy word, does not mean that's necessarily the person you should be emulating for. Yeah. You should be looking for maturity and joy. And I think that's one of the things you see here when you go into um, verses 23, when he's talking about have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know, that breed quarrels. And then 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And that's an interesting description yeah. that I don't know that we would lean towards and go, oh, that meek person who's not getting riled up, who's able to stand up under what they know and be gentle mm -hmm. and have the sense of joy when they're being kind to people. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. value that a lot. We tend to like the person that is, I'm going to get mine kind of thing. So I think we need to remind ourselves, no what are you looking for yeah. when you're seeing Christ in people? Well, maybe I should say, maybe when you're thinking about the people you get influenced by, you should be looking for Christ, not for how they talk about him, but yeah. actually seeing him emulated. And it, and it doesn't mean, because somebody could look at that and go, well, wasn't Christ upset? Didn't he flip a tables? Didn't he make a whip? Didn't he whip people? The idea here is, is the general characteristic of your life. It doesn't mean you don't yes. get fired up. Yeah. You get angry at injustice and evil, all those other things. But this point is that that doesn't in and of itself bring the change. In right. other words, your anger, your frustration, your boisterous self living in that moment, uh, that's not the thing that you need to aim at. Yeah. Uh, you'll have those times if you feel compa uh, passionate about something, you're going to get fired up. But what is the general characteristic of your life and your hope? It's in that God's going to do the work. Right. And, and I think that... Um, they understood that. We understand that. We don't read the scripture and have this picture of Jesus of Nazareth moving slowly and talking in subdued tones. <laughs> that's that's not the idea. The idea is, is that where is your hope? Your hope isn't in your ability to affect change. It's in God's ability to affect change. And so recognizing some people have been held captive. You are gentle with them because they're behind enemy lines. They're in the enemy's camp and you you correct them. And it, your correcting of them doesn't mean they're corrected when they get it and believe it and turn. You're correcting them is when you're in the game and you're saying, you're wrong. Let me tell you how, because you were made for more. 
I don't want to tell someone they're wrong to make myself feel better or superior. I want them to know they're wrong because they're made for more in their relationship with God. And right now they're settling for, as C.S. Lewis said, playing in the mud puddle when yeah. you could be spending a day at the sea. Yeah. And so, like, let's translate this into the conversation maybe with same-sex people or to the trans community. I don't think Christians should be known for saying... Uh, you are sinful and you are the, in other words, that's not the tip of the spear in our thinking. The tip of our spear in our thinking is what a sad reality that somebody believes this is who they are and what they were made for and them investing in this sinful concept that is disconnected from God, you are not who you are supposed to yeah. be. Yeah. And that's the tip of the spear along that same lines is talking about God's image and sin and truth and all that. But the motivator should be, oh, it breaks my heart that you think this is who you are. Yeah. It breaks my heart that you don't understand what love is. Yeah. You don't understand what truth is. You are caught in this slew of despair in your own outlook that you go, Jesus has come to set you free from this. And we give the gospel, we love people, we engage people, looking for a Holy Spirit to show up, correcting that so that they would be, as he says in this passage, that they'll be set free from the, right. the, the snare that the enemy has laid for them. Because they're in the snare, they've been right. caught, and they're living in this trap. Yeah, that's the. I think that's something we really should park on and think about. I mean, if, if really, if you hear nothing else, especially in the culture that we currently live in, mm. there is such a desire to be right. Sure. What well, if somebody's in a trap? Literally, like, think like a bear trap wrapped around somebody's leg. Do you go to them and you go, "Hey, you shouldn't be walking there," and they go, "Okay, I believe you." And then you walk away. Like yeah. they're in the trap. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Right. Yes. Well, how did you get here, you idiot? Yeah. Like we're trying to describe all these things. Look, I don't even, I don't want to say I don't want to care about being right because the reason I can stand on it, I already know I'm right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not to be arrogant, yeah. but I know that the gospel yeah. is true and I believe that. So convincing you is not the problem. What I want is for you to be delivered by the power of the gospel. Yeah. And we got to be careful not yeah. to get caught up yeah. in that fight. Well, in that fight, you are to fight yeah. to help the, deliver them, right? Is according to what you can do, you give knowledge. Like you said, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the delivering. We are in that fight, absolutely, full on. We're going to give you that. But the fight is not so you'll go, oh, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. I'll, I'll believe. I, I concede. No, no, no. We want to be promoting the gospel, yeah. your redemption that's available through Jesus Christ, that you can be made whole in his image to enjoy him forever. Stop. Full stop. Yeah, and that's where I, I can understand how somebody in, let's say, the uh, the gay community or the homosexual community or the trans community would say, you just you don't like the way I live. And so as they see it, it's us condemning them versus we go, no, you know what? I'm just like you in the sense that I was made for more. Mm -hmm. And then you apply the law. You apply God's standard, asking them questions, put that law, that mirror, so they see themselves, yeah. that this isn't about the way you want to live life versus the way I want to live life. This is how were we both created, and I've recognized, not of my own sheer ability, that I've offended a holy God. You haven't recognized this. So I would love to engage and care for you. And it's not compromise. It's not compromise if you're trying to uh, reach someone with the gospel, so therefore you go out of your way to speak into their life or care for them or any of that. That's exactly what Christ did yeah. for us in the incarnation. Yeah. You never not speak truth, That's right. but you recognize 
the fact that if it wasn't for the grace of God, that's exactly the way I would go. Yeah. And Jesus never qualified. He never hung out with people and said, oh, by the way, I'm hanging out with you. Just want to, you're all sinners. I'm not. Yeah. He never said to the, the priests, he never said, oh, by the way, just on the down low, I'm trying to reach him. That's why I'm hanging out. I'm really not like him. <laughs> he never point. did that. He just said, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. I don't have to explain to everybody why yeah. I am. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember. That's a good shout. I mean, Absolutely, you can compromise, yeah. but just because you do those things doesn't mean that is compromise. Yeah. So if you're doing those things and then you're going, oh, I'm going to hold back on the truth, or the classic, the one I hear is, well, we'll build this relationship and then we'll do the gospel later kind of thing. Sure. And I wonder, how long have you been saying that? Well, like 18 years, right? <laughs> That's compromise. But yeah. the fact that you're not hammering somebody with stuff that is tertiary, like that doesn't, that's not compromise. We're bringing in truth. It doesn't mean that you have to bring the whole hammer down on somebody all the time. You're just presenting with the word of God saying, this is what you need. And it's funny having a fair amount of experience mm. with that particular community. Um, I, I don't always, sometimes I lack the gentleness, but sure. one thing that's helped me and the Lord's been kind is the authenticity has resonated with people when they go, hey, there's something different. Like, I don't think yeah. you care about how I vote or what parades I go to or whatever. There's something more here. And that's just because that's that's what I'm telling them, right? Like, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I'll go off on that for a long time. I think Paul does yeah. a better job with it. So I'm going to conclude with what he says here. Yeah. Um, because he talks to the point in verse 25, correcting opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Mm. If you don't find that liberating, mm. incredibly liberating, and also inspiring to do the work, mm. let me just encourage you, brother and sister, dwell on that verse a little bit more, because mm. that is incredibly liberating and empowering to go forth in truth, seeking the things of God and proclaiming them to a lost and dying world interesting him to do what he will with it. Yeah, and there's that cascading element. So you got good works, and then you got walk down through all those elements, and you have the idea that they may come to the knowledge of the truth. How are they going to come to that knowledge? If you're pursuing righteousness, okay. if you're discerning in your mind, developing that, if you're remembering or maintaining a gentle spirit, okay. if you are remembering this big picture, you could be the instrument through which the Lord used to help reach them so they escape. So don't set your mind on, hey, let's get back to being a Christian nation. What we need to do is get all the gays out of here. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you go, wait a minute, 100%. this is about a Christian nation. This is about you reaching your neighbor, coworker, et cetera. They were meant to be more than they are, just like you. They've been captive. So it's not about uh, the way they're living behind enemy lines. It's the fact that they're behind enemy lines. And so oh, how do you reach them? It, God's going to use you. Now, what you do is... Do the things we talked about, pure heart, um, discerning mind, gentle spirit, boom. That's what you do. Those are your marching orders. That's how they're set free. That's how God will use you. Dan, it sounds like you're saying that being Christ-like could possibly hey, draw one. people yeah. to Christ. It's so simple, it's missed. It's <laughs> yeah. really funny how it's so funny how we think, no, there should be a strategy. There should be – we always complicate things. Yeah. It's incredible. I this morning my D group, we were talking about some some ways to live out Christ in the in the business field, no in work, and it's just so complicated. I mean, people complicate do this and then this and what about this and then I have a strategy for this and go. Well, why do you spend time in the Word every day? Pray, ask God to break your heart for people, and then live out the truth you read about. Yeah, and it, that's everything we're talking about. But there was all sorts of strategies and tactics and leveragings and uh, come on. 
just be like Jesus. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get flack for saying that. Yeah. But again, if you think that while that is simple, right? It's not complex. Yeah. This, it was easy. No, yeah. But it is that simple. Be like Christ. And you yeah. know what? He'll probably draw people to himself through you. Yeah. That's a good thing. All right, man. Well, good stuff. We'll continue on next week hitting chapter three. Um, some more fun stuff ahead. One through five. Oh, Actually, yeah. Pastor Ken is going to be this. Oh, there we go. There we go. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to it. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us again. Until next time, you guys stay focused on that task of being Christ-like, spreading God's fame, making his disciples, and enjoying every moment of it. We'll see you next time.